Hello, and welcome to the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast, the place where curiosity is welcome and no topic is too taboo to tread. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here over Skype with Giovanni Lombardo Radici, star of House on the Edge of the Park, Cannibal Ferox, Cannibal Apocalypse, City of the Living Dead, House of Flesh Mannequins, and a long list of other classic and modern titles. How are you doing today, sir? I'm fine, thanks. I think my uh, first question that I have for you is what inspired you to begin your career as an actor? Well, uh, since childhood, I was fascinated by whatever, let's say, human. I was always playing with little soldiers or even dolls, but mostly marionettes. I had a little theater. Um, and then I was living at that time for four years in my childhood. I lived in Palermo in Sicily. And there there was um, a puppet show very popular. And my mother used to take me there. So I, I was fascinated with the puppets and the puppet masters will will coming me backstage to show me the puppets uh, and so I I developed developed um, a sort of passion for for the theater then I uh, at, at the beginning I want to be a dancer I had good legs I liked a lot uh, ballet and I studied ballet for many years but then I, quite early, I injured my back, so I decided to switch to theater, which I did. And from there on, I, I was 17 at that time, and from there on, my career began. began. What motivated you to make the transition from being a, a theater actor to working in film? money <laughs> and uh, it was very casual it was very casual i was doing theater i had my own company but uh, financially i uh, it was a disaster i am terrible with money always have been um so I, I was always in need of money and at a point i casually met a lady who was at that time ruggero Diodato's mother-in-law but i didn't know that um uh, and she said oh you have a great face i'm an agent would you like to be in the movies i said lady if there's some money in it i could walk uh on my on my hands with a red nose on so it, yeah and then i do you speak english yes i do um blah and blah and um so she took me in and after um maybe two or three weeks i was introduced to ruggero dodato who was casting for house at the edge of the park and that was the beginning of of it all and so in that film you uh you played ricky and you worked alongside with david hess in that film and i was wondering what your experience was like working with david hess and ruggero diodato it was fantastic david was my first partner and it was the best partner a young person could hope for. He was uh, nice, warm, uh, uh, helpful, uh, um, really the best. He was a great personality, overwhelming. He was always doing, it was bigger than life, you know, he was eating a lot, drinking a lot, fucking a lot. <laughs> and, um, always full of ideas he was always chasing ruggero saying oh ruggero i had a fantastic idea we could do this we could do that the poor man was in a hurry because we shot the the movie in three weeks 
so he, he really hadn't the time to listen to, to whatever David had in mind. So they were quarreling at times, but always in friendly terms. Um, that film has some pretty uh, graphic and uh, explicit sexual violence. And was that um, difficult for you to work with? Was that a new experience for you working with that kind of content? No, not really. I'm not shy. I mean, I'm... sex doesn't embarrass me. Uh, you know, being a male at that time, you always had to cover up your genitals, which was at times uh, boring. Because, no, uh, raise your leg. Uh, do this, do this, because you, you couldn't show male genitalia uh, on screen at that time. But apart from that, no, no. Um, it wasn't embarrassing. I think that sex is one of the most difficult things to to do for an actor because it's very difficult to uh, to separate yourself from the character because you have to ask yourself how how would this guy fuck, which is a, <laughs> a difficult question to answer. <laughs> So uh, in that same year, you would also go on to play Charlie in Cannibal Apocalypse and Bob in City of the Living Dead. And I was wondering, which of those films did you end up doing first? What was first? Yeah. First was uh, Cannibal Apocalypse and then City of the Living Dead. Um, so how did you end up getting uh, the role of Charlie in that film? Well, you know, at that time, the genre movie... Uh, gang was quite small. Uh, all directors knew each other. Um, directors of production were quite always the same. Uh, so the news spread that there was a, a new young actor speaking English with a good face. Um, I, I don't remember auditioning. I just, I think I met Margariti, but um, I, he just called me. And uh, when you finally got on set and were working on the film, what was it like uh, working on that project and what was it like to work with Antonio Margariti? Well, uh, at the beginning, when I read the script, I think it was—I I thought it was really idiotical. I said, "But are they crazy? I mean, like cannibalism is, is like a virus. Uh, what is, I, I thought it was ridiculous. Then I changed my mind." Uh, later on um, but the character was great Charlie because he was a great character there was a great acting potential in it so I, I as I always did in my career I go for the character more than um, the script uh, if the character is good I'm I'll go for it and Margariti was fantastic it was the best director I had in my life. He was kind, um, full of sense of humor, um, always lessening what he was doing. Uh, he used to say, I'm, um, I'm like a butcher. I, I do the movies by the kilo. <laughs> and um, full of anecdotes. Sorry, my dog is barking. Um, so he, 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 I mean, it was great working with him. He was very respectful of actors. He liked me a lot. So we got along famously. And so uh, with with that character in that film, that was kind of the start of 
some graphic uh, and elaborate deaths for your characters. Um, and and with Charlie, uh, you have a huge hole blown through your torso. And I was wondering what you could tell us about the effects done to, to make that scene and what it was like to shoot that scene. It was <laughs> frightening. It was the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous things I did in my career because... Um, I was lying on a board. There was this um, iron bars, you no, know, in, in the sewers, and uh, I was um, lying on a board, um, grabbing the the bars with my hand. So the upper part of the body was mine. Then from my neck was hanging a dummy uh, of the body. So the idea is was that I was standing whilst, uh, as a matter of fact, I was lying down. And uh, the, the dummy stomach was full of explosive. And, you know, it was a few inches from my face. And in the movies, explosives are always the most unpredictable and dangerous things. You, you never can tell what will happen. So I was really, really very, very scared. <laughs> Well, it worked really well. It looks amazing. It's an amazing effect, for sure. Um, so then you would go on to be in City of the Living Dead, and I was wondering what was your experience on set working with that film, and what was it like to work with, with Lucia Fulci? Uh, once again, the character was very interesting. It was uh, it was very in the line of uh, Ricky and Bukowski, but uh, on a... Um, uh, lower social scale, he was really rejected like a, an animal almost. And uh, considering I'm very physical in my approach to characters, it it was very interesting playing him. I uh, I, I was supposed to have a, a a fake hunchback, but on the first day on set, I said, "Oh my God, I will look like Marty Feldman in Frankenstein Junior." <laughs> and I I really I said, um, even if I, uh, I I had been told that Fulci was a difficult person, uh, and I I took my the courage in my hands and I went to him and said, "Lucio, sorry, um, can we skip this fake hunchback? I can." Uh, work with my shoulder a little bit, uh, um, having it in a funny position, but I can do it myself. And he said, show me. And at that time, uh, by myself, I was studying Richard III. So I, I, I had studied a sort of um, a physical injury. Um, and uh, I did. I walked for him. He said, okay, no hunchback. And then uh, he he said... To his assistant, but uh, loud enough for me to hear. I said, and then they say, you don't have to take theater people, huh? Theater people are the best. So, and and from then then on, he was always very nice and complimentary with me. Uh, very nice, very friendly. We had long chats about movies in general, experiences he he had had in other kind of movies when he was an assistant to Lucino Visconti, and. Um, but of course, he was a difficult man. I mean, he was shouting very much. He was doing big scenes, mostly at production. But once he explained to me, he said, you know, uh, you're a theater director. Uh, and maybe uh, you will want to direct a movie and I'll give you a tip. With production people, you always have to have a scene every two or three days out of nothing 
invented these four smells, which means nothing, but um, make a scene because otherwise they get sloppy. They don't do what the what you need. Uh, they always have to be on the verge. And um, so at times his scenes with production people were um, fake. Um, uh, but uh, I also witnessed a, a scene with a girl. The girl was the one who uh, who was with me in the car, Venantino, um, Venantini's daughter, no? Uh, she had just a few lines. But uh, the girl arrived on set, uh, if she, like she had been Elizabeth Taylor, uh, this yes, this no, and no one there, uh, having problems. Uh, um, and after five minutes, Fulci started shouting, bitch, most terrible insult. Get that bitch out of my set. Kick her out in the ass. Uh, uh, take another, whoever. Then the girl was crying. She she begged forgiveness, and and we got on. But he was right, as a matter of fact, because she was an asshole. It sounds like he uh, used a lot of uh, him being difficult as like kind of like a psycho psychological technique to get people to fall in line and do what he wanted to do. That's really interesting. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. He was um, he was a very difficult man, also because of personal tragedies he had uh, had in his life. His wife committed suicide out of a wrong diagnosis of cancer. Uh, they told her she had cancer, and it wasn't true. But she committed suicide. One of his daughters fell from a horse and had a bad injury. I mean, he. he he hadn't been lucky in life. And then he was very scornful about the fact that he wasn't considered first rate in Italy. I say, ah, in France, they say I'm first rate in Italy. They considered me like shit and was very resentful for that. Well, it's good that he has the legacy that he has now, that so many people admire his films. But that's, that's yeah, unfortunate sure. that that happened during his life. Um, so that film too involved a pretty graphic death scene for your character involving a drill going through your head and i was wondering what you could tell us about shooting that scene and how that effect was done well that effect is the most famous always people ask me about that as a, as a matter of fact it wasn't that difficult uh because i had um a, a little wire um passing back uh in my ear, and this this why was pumping fake blood, and uh, I had um, a prosthetic attached to my to the side of my head, and that was where, where, where the drill was getting in, and, and and the blood started spreading. Then I had blood in my mouth, and I started vomiting that blood, and when uh, the drill was. Uh, Coming up on the other side, of course, it was the fake head, which was the most painful part of it all. Because at that time, to make um, um, a prosthetic of, of your head, they were really covering you in concrete. You could breathe on, only with uh, uh, straws. Uh, 
it was really terrible, terrible, a sense of suffocation, uh, horrible experience. Uh, but of course, uh, when, when the dream was coming out, it was the fake head. And then when, when uh, my head was in between the, the, the two sides of the of the drill, um, there was a, on, on the other side, there was a grape turning the fake drill. And that was it. It wasn't. It was very uh, long and difficult to make, but not really. A pro the only problem was that, that the table was too low, <laughs> so I only could do the scene because I had a ballet training and I could arch my back a lot. Otherwise, my back wouldn't have touched the the table. Uh, so it was very discomfortable and tiring, but not not really difficult. Um, you would then go on to play the role of Mike Logan in Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox, and I was wondering how you got cast for that role. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Lenzi had seen the previous movies, or someone had told him uh, about about me. But but he at, at first he didn't offer me the leading role. He offered me the role of the friend of the leading character. Don't can't remember what what his name was. Um, uh, it was another weak guy, depending on the leading male role. I was sick and tired of that. Then I read the script and I thought it was revolting, absolutely revolting. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do it. Um, but I needed the money badly so i say to my agent tell him that it's either the leading role or nothing and that i want thrice the sum they're offering a whole a part of me was hoping they would say no uh but they said yes and so i was stuck to it um in that film you're credited as john morgan instead of your your real name and i was wondering what's the reason behind that the reason i think i was credited that maybe also in Cannibal Apocalypse. I'm not sure. And anyway, the reason was that they were trying to pretend that those movies were American. So they wanted everybody, including the um, the people behind the camera, to, to use fake names, American names. And so I, I was asked to... Uh, to decide um, a stage name for me. And I didn't want to have a... a, a, a a name completely, I mean, meaningless to me. So I, I just translated Giovanni with John, which anyway was I was always called Johnny in the family, so it was very familiar to me. And uh, I had two uh, grandmothers with uh, foreign um, surnames. My father's mother was Harazim, slave, and um, and and my my mother's mother was Morgan. Austrian. And so I went for Morgan because I thought it was more stagey. John Morgan sounded better. And so John Morgan was. Then my family was, wasn't pleased at all by that. <laughs> at all. Uh, is your family fans of the films that you've been involved in? Well, at a point, I don't know how um, the head of the family, my um, great uncle, 
Raffaello Morgan, who was a personality and a, a well-known historian, and the heir of this prestigious family, the Morgan, um, were um, uh, had married with the Gerardini family. The Gerardini were the family of Leonardo's Mona Lisa. Uh, so they were considering themselves the salt of the earth. I don't know how he, he got news that I was using the sacred family name for um, for outrageous movies and he really made my ass black and blue <laughs> that's interesting um, so with Cannibal Ferox uh, what was your experience like uh, on set and what was it like to work with Umberto Lindsay terrible terrible I always used to say that if you are directed by Lenzi, you have to shoot in the French Riviera or the most uh, luxury hotel in the world. And if you shoot in the Amazonas, you must be directed by Ridley Scott or, I don't know, Hitchcock or whoever. <laughs> but Lenzi and the Amazonas together was a little mix. <laughs> Uh, Lancy, I, I, I didn't get along with Lancy. Now he's dead, and I don't want to talk bad about the dead, but uh, he was uh, bombastic, full of himself, uh, considering himself like uh, one of the greatest directors in the world. The, the country of Margariti, let's say. And uh, so it was impossible to, to have a relationship with him. Then he was violent, he liked violence. He insisted on violence towards animals. I no, I, I hate the movie. You know, I really hate it. Um, you talk. You talked a little bit about the animal cruelty in that film, and there's a scene where your character uh, kills a pig, and I was wondering how you, how that scene was shot. Well, that scene was shot with a big quarrel in between me and Lancy because Lancy once said, uh, at a point he said, ah, tomorrow you're going to kill the pig. What am I? I said, what? What am I doing? Did you read the script? Yes, I did, but I, I think it was a special effect. No, no, you are going to kill it. I said, Umberto, consider yourself lucky that we are in the middle of the jungle and I, I, I can't report you to animal protection or the authority, but forget about it I'm not killing anything I said I said uh, Robert De Niro would have done it I said Robert De Niro would have kicked you in the ass all the way back to Rome <laughs> uh, and uh, so finally the uh, the special effects guy did it uh, but I wasn't on set I wasn't on set I refused to be on set and then we had to shoot the close ups of my face when I was doing the killing. So the stupid um, special effect guy was um, below the camera holding um, a bowl full of stage blood where I had to plunge the machete. But he stupidly were holding it with, with his hands cupped uh, beneath the thing. And I... I mean, I did uh, plunk the machete with a lot of force, and I cut the ball and cut his hand. He went to the hospital. It was a, quite a serious thing, so the poor pig was avenged. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, <clears throat> so, like your previous films, uh, your character also experiences a very gruesome death. 
um, first your your arm is cut off and then you are castrated and then you have your uh, head stuck into a table where your your forehead's cut off and your brains are eaten. And I was wondering if you could tell us about how those different sheen- scenes were created <laughs> and shot. Well, the arm wasn't that much apart from the fact that I had to do a prosthetic uh, with the arm. And uh, to me, to have a part of my body uh, that you can't move for a long time is always a torture. But anyway, not like the face, of course. But uh, so, of course, the arm was was fake and uh, nothing much. Um, the castration was, was a, <laughs> a serious affair. First of all, because they had selected a, um, a tree where I was to be tied, there was a, an ant nest. So it was full of ants. I said, no, it's full of ants, do something. Then they sprayed the uh, tree with myself. <laughs> uh, and okay. Um, then there was the prosthetic of the penis, uh, and the makeup man was an idiot, uh, stuck the thing, glued the thing to my own uh, without any kind of, uh, you know, cotton or or protection. So when he had to took it off, it was, bah. <laughs> I, I have no words to describe it. Maybe it was like the castration itself. Uh, I kicked him in the ass, I did. Mm-hmm. I did kick him in the ass, and uh, so it was very painful. The head thing wasn't much for me, apart from the fact that at each take, blood was. I was under the table, and and of course, uh, uh, what was visible on the table was a fake skull, and um, and each time the the fake skull was cut, uh, blood was was dripping on my face. Uh, and we had to do it many times because the locals playing the cannibals uh, were supposed to eat the what was inside the skull, which was an obscene uh, mix of banana and stage blood, horrid. And not being actors, they didn't look delightful. <laughs> I mean, they had they looked like saying that's shit. And, and, and no, 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 again, okay, no, smile, ma. Uh, so many, 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 we did it uh, a lot of times. At the end of the day, I was all covered in dust, blood, whatever. And the idea of, of doing four hours of boat to go back to the hotel, uh, and I say, no, I must wash myself. And I'd say, I, I had seen the locals bathing in the, in the Amazon River, so in, I, I asked for a, a bar of soap. I got naked. I went into the Amazon rivers and started washing myself. At a point, uh, you know, it's full of piranhas there. Uh, but at a point, I don't know what, but something went really close to my real penis. Mm-hmm. And I went out of the water like Mickey Mouse in a cartoon. Like, <laughs> <"Bium!"> <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. Um. In the past, you've made comments that you regret being involved in Cannibal Ferox, and I was wondering, uh, was there anything about it that made you feel, like, what was it about that that made you feel that way? Was it your experience with uh, Lindsay, or were there other factors? No, no, the movie in itself, I mean, Lindsay apart, it was racist. Mm-hmm. Pedophilia, even. There was this horrible scene where me and Zora Karova teased the, the two young natives. They were about... 
12 years old, um, re revolting, uh, animal cruelty, um, shit, shit. <laughs> um, so looking at your filmography, I saw that you are credited as a writer for Umberto Lenzi's 1982 uh, jungle comedy, Daughter of the Jungle. And I was wondering if that's true and how you got involved in that project. And for those who may yeah, not have seen that film, true. what could you tell yeah. us about it? Yeah. No, it's true. But um, the the real uh, the the one who asked me to do it was the producer Minoloi, who had been the producer of Cannibal Ferrex, and I had uh, a very good relationship with him. He was a nice person, a real gentleman, uh, full of sense of humor. So, and he was there when we were shooting Cannibal Ferrex. So we spent a lot of time with him and with Fiamma Maglione, who at that time was uh, his companion, and she was also playing my fiance in New York. And she was also the author of the soundtrack. Mm. So we had a good friendship. And Mino uh, came to theater to see a, a play that I was directed and that I also had written. And, and he thought it was very good. And, and so he asked me to, uh, to write this comedy with my writing partner, who was Marina Garroni. And he asked us both to write this comic because it was a comedy, a light comedy about uh, a bit like, you know, like, like the Terence Hill and Bud Spencer movies and in that line uh, with um, a good looking girl, half naked and very light and stupid comedy. Uh, so I, 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 had a, I wrote it. Uh, uh, with Mino always asking me to lessen things, not to to put too much money into it. I was writing uh, four elephants, and he was saying no elephants. And I was writing uh, uh, 20 guys, and he was saying uh, five guys, and, and so on. But um, um, I, I didn't even see Lancy. When you saw the finished film, how did you feel about it? Did you like it? No, it was a stupid thing, I mean meaningless <laughs> um that same year uh from what i saw from reading your um filmography on imdb um it says that you were involved in joe diamato's 1982 cannibal love which is one of the hardest to find jungle cannibal films i've, I've actually never been able to find it i wasn't i wasn't you it, it's not true Okay. I never. I was never directed by Joe D'Amato. On um, IMB, they say I was in Eleven Days, Eleven Nights, but that's because in that movie, uh, D'Amato was showing at a point bits of uh, stage fright, and that's why I'm credited in it, but not because I was in the movie as an actor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. I was. I was surprised to see that. So I'm glad to to confirm that that's not. That's not correct. No, no. Um, so in the later part of the 80s, you would go on to play uh, Brett in Stage Fright, um, which is a film about a group of stage actors stuck inside of a theater that are being hunted by an escaped mental patient. And as someone who has experienced both being in theater and film, what was it like playing the role of a stage actor as a film actor? 
Oh, it was very funny. Finally, it was a comic role because, you know, in theater, on stage, I'm reputed as a very good comic actor. But the movies uh, very seldom use this talent because of my face, because my face is hard, because I have cheekbones and whatever. Uh, I don't have a comedy face. Uh, but uh, Michele knew me very well. We were great pals. And so it was finally a comic role. And I loved it. I loved it. I, I liked the movie very much. I also saw it back just a couple of years ago. And I think it will, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. And um, so I liked it a lot. And Michele asked me to... Uh, to put my hands on the dialogues exactly because of my stage experience. So some of the bitching in between actors, those uh, backstage things are are mine. Uh, do you feel that the film accurately portrayed the world of theater? Well, you know, accurately. <laughs> oh, yes and no. I mean, it was... Um, a uh, concentrate of stereotypes, if you want, but uh, nicely put. Then the all the emphasis was on the on the thrilling, on the on um, I mean, on this on the, on the fact of those people being stuck there and and haunted by a killer, which doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> As someone who has been in film as far back as the 80s and since you've starred in, starred in some really high-budget films like the Hollywood films like Gangs of New York or the Omen remake, um, how do you think the process of filmmaking has changed over time? Well, uh, it, has, it has changed a lot technically. Uh, you don't have any more the director almost by your side uh as in the old times um because now everything is uh, electronic so he he's looking at the scene far away from a remote control on a screen um and this is a, a big change and uh, also uh now you use very frequently um the uh, uh, what's the name? The the camera um, on the body of the cameraman. The Steadicam. Steadicam, yeah, the Steadicam. Uh, I like Steadicam a lot, but the first time I used it was with Michele Suavi um, in the sect, and uh, at that time it was really it was so heavy that really only special. Um, guys could could have that stuff on, and like bodybuilders uh, nowadays is very light and very much more easier. I mean, um, apart from that, it didn't change much. I mean, acting is acting, and a camera is a camera. Um, <clears throat> you have a very expansive filmography, and so with the time that we have, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to cover all of the films that you've been involved in. But there are two films I would really like to discuss with you. Um, and the first is Luigi Pastor's Violent Shit, the movie. And I was wondering how you got involved in that project. You know, uh, now that I'm an old, 
and with my filmography uh, connected with all the old horror classics, new directors often want me as a, as a symbol. So I did many movies with young directors uh, who called me because they liked me as an actor, for sure, but also because it's a plus to have me on, on these movies. Uh, I know that. I mean, uh, for fans, for for the people who love uh, horrors and thrillers and, and the Italian genre movies, and there are millions of them, uh, my name means something. So directors really are eager to call me for those projects. Uh, Luigi Pastoria called, but I had met him because he was the assistant to Sergio Stivaletti in a very nice short movie that I did with Stivaletti directing. And then he called me for that um, violent shit with, which was really, oh, <laughs> I, I, I can't say. The, the, the character was funny, was funny. It was over the top. It was uh, staging. I mean, it was a, a funny character to play. But the film was incredibly loud. They we talked and talked and talked for hours with nothing happening. Uh, wasn't a good movie. I mean, really. Um, what was it like working on set for that film? Oh, no problem. Yeah. Um, really smooth, smooth. You talked about um, kind of the legacy that you have with with um, like cult cult classic films now, and I was wondering at what point did you realize that you are kind of a horror icon at this point? When did you start going to conventions and finding out that there's fans around Cannibal Ferox it, and Cannibal Apocalypse? Yeah, it it all happened with the internet. I'm, I'm really the less technological person in the world. So I was the last to have a cell phone, the last to have a computer. And I'm one of the last to, to go on the internet. I only um, got on the internet at the beginning of 2000, 2000 maybe. And uh, at that point, I was surprised, uh, really shocked, realizing that these movies that I had done professionally because i always uh, one one thing uh, i never do something with my left hand if i do something i commit myself to it if it's hamlet or mm, city of the living dead is the same to me uh, but anyway I, I i never never thought in my life that these movies will survive that i will be remembered for them never never ever so it was a real shock i was uh, as soon as i was on the internet and people knew that i was there i was submerged by mails uh interviews uh, uh and then uh, mike baronas uh, was very important in that uh, he's an american journalist and he had written a um, uh, a book about Fulci, so we had met in Rome, and he revealed to me the convention thing, which was absolutely new to me. I had an idea these conventions existed, and at, 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 as a very first reaction, I thought it was so rude to ask money for autographs. I mean, but considering I always needed money and that everybody else was doing it, I said, okay, yes. So Mike introduced me to, to the conventions world. 
Uh, have you traveled? Uh, like, what countries have you traveled to to go to different conventions? United States a lot. Um, Germany. Um, United Kingdom a lot. And that's it, I think. Uh, once in Spain, once in Spain, once in France, but it was a very little thing. Do you think that fans, do you have different experiences with fans from different countries or is it, does, is it all the same kind of love that you get from everyone? No, I, it's always the same kind of love. <laughs> They're very warm, uh, very nice. Uh, some really are conventions addicted. There's a guy, a German guy, uh, God bless him, full of money. And he travels conventions all over. And each time I meet him, I say, ah, because he spends like, uh, I don't know, $500 on me every time. <laughs> so I love him. Um, and kind of kind of pig piggybacking off of that, um, there's a lot of like releases coming out, like special edition releases of the films that you've been involved in. And they involve... Uh, things like direct, director's commentary or actor's commentary, which involves you sitting and, and re-watching your films and commenting on them. And and so many years later, what, what are your feelings sitting back and watching your old work? Well, uh, as, I, as I said, like um, at times uh, uh, very surprising because it happened with Cannibal uh, Apocalypse uh, that I, I had thought so stupid at the time. Watching back, I realized, no, it wasn't stupid at all. Because uh, first, it was metaphorical. I mean, it was, say, it was saying that violence comes from violence, because the whole thing starts with the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so it was a metaphor. And then if you think about it, the AIDS epidemic only started uh, maybe two years after the movie. So it was prophetical also in a way. And um, so I changed my mind about that. I think that um, uh, House at the Edge of the Park is a good thriller with too much sex in it. And Rogero agrees with me. And, um, and yes, I, I you know, I, I, I watch myself as if it was another person. I'm so different now after so many years that I say, oh, this young guy is interesting. <laughs> um, the last film that I want to cover before we, we kind of come to an end is Demiziano Cristofaro's House of Flesh Mannequins. Um, that film recently got, I believe, its first U.S. release through Honor Films, and it was added to their Too Extreme for Mainstream label because of the film's extreme content. And I was wondering, for those who may have not seen the movie, what you could tell us about it. Well, it's a very interesting movie. It's very hard, very tough, because it mixes actors and real uh, performance of extreme, uh, um, how do you say, um, masochistic stuff, people putting nails in their bodies. Uh, there's a lot of that and it's quite shocking. Um, but it's a very interesting movie, very interesting. And my character has nothing to do with gore or special effects. I'm a blind man and was uh, the first blind man I was playing, which was quite interesting. And um, uh, 
with a lot of psychology in it. And uh, I, I would say it's a very interesting movie. I would recommend it. Uh, how did you get involved with Demiziano Cristofaro and what was your experience like working with him? I got involved as I as I always get involved uh, now with young directors who contact contact me um, with Domiziano years back. It was on MySpace now on Facebook. They they say I have a script. I would like to you to Iraq and I send the script. I say yes, okay, do I read the script and if it's interesting and if there is some money in it, not a lot of money but some money in it, I generally say yes. And uh, so happened with with Domiziano, who's uh, an interesting chap. I mean, he's doing a lot of different things. He's a director, an actor, a performer, a singer, a painter, a tattooist. I mean, he's doing many different things. A very interesting person. And I got along with him. We, We did it in L.A., which is not my favorite place in the world, but um, it was okay. Um. My last question is, uh, of all the films that you've been involved in over the years, what are some of your personal favorites? Well, my favorite is surely Cannibal Apocalypse because of the character, uh, because of, of Margariti, and, and second comes Ricky in, in House of the Edge of the Park. That was a fun role to play? was well it was very interesting it was a very interesting character uh then it was my first movie so you know um, it's like a first love oh yeah yeah um so before we come to a close do you have any current projects that you're working on or do you have anything you want to say before we're done Oh, really? No, I'm, I'm here waiting for conventions to start back you know because with the pandemic Everything closed, unfortunately. So I, I really hope this COVID thing will, will, will finally end and conventions will reopen. And I, I have a few scripts that were sent to me, but you know, with these indie productions, it's always difficult to say if the movie will will be done or no because they always struggling with money. So I can say yes or no, but then who knows what will happen. Italy was hit pretty hard with with COVID. Is are things opening up again? Are things getting better? Yeah, I think we are the best dealing uh, country in the world, along with Germany, because restrictions started quite immediately and were really very hard. You couldn't walk out of your house only for grocery shopping or medical reasons, otherwise you, you, you were fined if you were in the street. And this went, went on for a couple of months. So now, I mean, we still have the problem, but we are the best dealing country. Well, I, I hope everything opens up again and you can get back into the conventions and back on screen. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, thanks, Giovanni. I hope you have a good rest of the day and I appreciate our conversation. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club. If you're interested in checking out my other work, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cinema's Underbelly, where I analyze and review obscure, obscene, and controversial cinema, as well as check out my label, Putrid Productions. Until next time, this is the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club.